Welcome to Joy Fueled and Jesus Led. I'm your host, Tony Daniels, sharing real life stories and practical tools that not only let you know you're not alone, but also help you become the emotional, spiritual ninja warrior you were created to be. This season addresses how to offer non-anxious leadership, even in the midst of painful and often overwhelming circumstances. Do you white knuckle it and force yourself to believe that everything will be fine? Or is there a more integrated way to live through these moments? This episode addresses life or death situations and what it looks like to listen as a community for how it ends instead of trying to merely have faith that something good will happen when maybe the good that happens isn't exactly the way you planned it. Hi there, Tony here. And we are in a season uh, talking about how to be non-anxious hope bearers in the middle of uncertain and often chaotic circumstances. And today we come down to really life and death situations and how do we approach them in a more Jesus-led way, a relational way with God, joy-fueled as well, instead of maybe clinging to beliefs that we might have or principles we might have that even sometimes lead us astray. So just a few examples. Um, I remember when I was younger and uh, a family member would come down with cancer uh, terminal or a friend would be in a situation where, um, you know, a car accident and you know, life or death, and we didn't know if they would make it or not. And, you know, the prayer requests would go around, please pray for healing. You know, please pray that Papa recovers from cancer, or please pray that God heals the person in the coma. And I remember uh, growing up, even in my 20s, wondering, you know, I don't really know if that's how this is going to end. And and I don't know if that's really what God wants or not in this situation to to bring physical healing in this way at this time. And so without the assurance or the confirmation from God that that's really what was going to happen, I had a really hard time praying for healing for these situations. And and then there were friends of mine, a, a good friend of mine whose parents divorced, and he just, he wanted them back together so bad that every night he prayed that God would bring his parents back together. And he had, you know, from the, it seemed like such an amazing faith because he prayed it every night earnestly and his parents never got back together. And later in his life, uh, he, he turned on uh, away from God because God didn't answer his prayer. Right. And it's such an interesting thing to me, this concept of, of prayer and begging God for healing, but then maybe it happens and maybe it doesn't. And, um, and so what if what if things were different? And I've been trying to live into a different reality over the last 15 years. And so far, it has been um, an amazing journey of experimentation with God. And the way that um, I've been approaching the my whole community has been approaching this concept is when we're facing a life or death situation, we stop and we listen to God first on what he wants us to know and how it ends. So will it end, you know, God give us an image of how it ends. You know, does the person get healed or does the person pass away and get healed in heaven, right? I mean, they're going to get healed regardless, probably either in this life or in the afterlife, but 
but does God, is God working in that way right now to bring about physical healing here and now? Because if so, I do want to co-labor with God and pray as hard as I can um, to bring that into reality if that's what is is coming, right? If that's what's really happening. But if God says, you know, shows that this person will pass away, then I want to be able to lead the family in acceptance and in grieving to the best that I can. Um, and, and into letting God, um, direct that situation and be with them in that situation. How can God be with us in our pain? Because he does not promise anywhere in scripture that he will remove our pain and our struggles here on earth. In fact, it's the exact opposite. He promises that in this life we will have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world is the way he talks about it. So I, I don't think God's promise to heal in this life, all of our illnesses, or to make everything go well for us. And I I believe that when we cling to that type of thinking and then pray without any substance of the things hoped for, without an image from God that that's what he's doing, that that we are in a dangerous territory, ter- territory that um, and then ended up blaming God because he didn't do what we asked him to do. But that's not really a relationship. That's not how relationship works. That's almost how magic works. But a real relationship means I talk to God about it. I hear his perspective or I ask, he gives me an image of how it ends. And then I work with him towards that end. I hope that makes sense. And I'm going to share just a few stories with you today. Uh, comparing and contrasting these two concepts. So one of them is, um, I don't know if you ever remember the alive story of the Uruguayan rugby players who uh, were flying across the Andes. A snowstorm hits. They their plane crashes in the middle of the Andes. They don't even have winter clothing, and they um, half of them uh, are killed instantly, and the other survivors are there trying to figure out what they're going to do. And it's a fascinating story, and we actually knew several of these survivors when we lived in Uruguay, so we were able to converse with them and talk about what this was like for them. And it was fascinating. The story is incredible because the Christian in the group, the one who had the most faith and practiced Christianity and had the biggest, you know, the, the strongest values, that ironically was the the one who offered the least amount of leadership in during this crisis because he believed that God was just going to rescue them. God's going to rescue us. He's going to rescue us. And he just believed that. But really, he had no reason to believe that except that he just thought God was good and God would not let something bad happen to him, which again is really bad theology. Yes, God is good, (laughs) but that doesn't mean that God doesn't allow bad things to happen to us. Um, and, but because he believed that so strongly, he just, uh, decided to not act. So, you know, he wasn't suggesting that they try to escape. He wasn't suggesting that they make a plan, uh, to go, you know, to, to climb over the mountains to get out because he just thought they needed to not act at all and sit and wait. And again, not based on him actively listening to God about that, but based on just some beliefs that that weren't even really true about God. So it looked like faith. It looked like amazing faith. I mean, he's just going to sit here and wait to be rescued. But in the end, he would have died <laughs> because no one rescued them. 
And the atheist in the group, ironically, was the one who was like, you know what, we need to act. We need to use our skills. We need to come together and um, and brainstorm this problem and work together to find a solution. And it was because of his leadership that two of them actually walked out over the Andes Mountains barefoot without clothing appropriate for snow-capped mountains. And they walked out of there and finally, you know, found someone to rescue them and then brought, you know, brought the plane back to rescue the others eventually. It is an incredible story. And and sadly, it is not a story um, of the type of relationship that that we want the world to see as far as how we, the people of God, work through tragic, difficult situations with God. Uh, we don't want to just blindly believe in, 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 in a principle or a thought that we might have at the expense of acting and, and rallying the manifold presence of God in every single person around us to listen to their heart and actually uh, find a solution to the situation. Now, it would have been totally different if God had shown him that he was going to be rescued um, and 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 maybe that would have uh, you know been very very different, um, and maybe he was seeing the ultimate rescue that happened, but I, I doubt it. I don't think he had a relationship with God like that. I really think it was just holding on to a hope and a principle that really wasn't founded in the substance of things hoped for. Right, this this relationship that we see an image of God working and doing on our behalf. And anyway, so. That is one story that I want to contrast with several other stories that we've lived into in the last 15 years in our community. And, and they're all life or death situations. And um, one of them, for example, was one of my best friends in Uruguay. Um, she was pregnant and it was a very, very difficult pregnancy. And um, unfortunately, her baby ended up being born very, very prematurely. And the doctors pretty much said she's not going to make it. And my friend called to me as, uh, immediately after the baby was born and said, Tony, I need you to listen to God for me on how this ends. Please, please listen. Because I need to know how this is going to end so I can live this non-anxiously. And I said, oh goodness, this is big, And but I'll listen and I'll let you know. So that night um, I quieted, I went to my imagery with God and sat with him and asked him, how does this end? And I saw two things. The first image I saw was Jesus holding this little baby girl in his hands. And that brought me deep peace because I honestly knew that no matter what happens, she's in God's hands. <laughs> so she's fine no matter what happens. And he's even taking care of her right now, even though she was in the incubator. And then I had another image. It just flashed very, very suddenly of a little girl about three or four years old with wavy brown hair running up the stairs of my best friend's house right into her arms. And I, I just knew it was, it was, again, substance of things hoped for. I knew that they would have a girl. They would have a daughter. She'd be three or four years old and she would be healthy and whole. Now, I didn't know if that three or four year old was the, was the baby <laughs> or not. And so I was really scared to share with my friend because I thought, what if I, you know, what if this child I'm seeing is an adopted child of theirs later or another pregnancy that she might have after this one? So again, when I have images 
I am very cautious to not interpret them beyond what I see or beyond what God tells me. So the next day I meet with my close, close friend and I tell her all of this. I tell her I'm scared to death to even share what I see with you because what if it's not this baby? You know, what if it's not um, God's promise to heal right now? What if this is about something else? And she said, just share, just share, just share. And I said, okay. So I share it all very tentatively. And she begins to weep. And she says, this is about my baby. I know it. And I said, how do you know? And she said, because while you were praying and listening on my behalf, I was asking God what he wanted me to know. And he told me, whatever she sees will be about this child. (laughs) And we both just started to weep and weep, knowing that this little baby girl who the doctor said would die, she was going to make it. And she was going to run one day, and she was going to run up those stairs into her mother's arms. And that is exactly what happened. But it took a year that they thought she might be blind. They thought she might be deaf. It was a long journey. But this was back in 2013. So this child is now nine years old and she's healthy, happy, and whole and amazingly beautiful and brilliant. So that was one moment where calling on the community to listen together and walking in that faith and that mother and father were able to live that year non-anxiously even though it was hard. They cried their eyes out every day. They couldn't hold their baby for months. They had, you know, I think even surgery, you know, so it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you don't feel grief and sadness and pain, but it means that you do so without the anxiety of, um, that comes when we're uncertain, when we don't know what's going to happen right? So able to live that beautifully. Another example just happened uh, a year ago, actually. Some close, close friends of ours were pregnant with twins, and it's a miraculous story. The doctors said, uh, you need to abort one of your babies because she, you know, if you don't, she will kill the other one and you'll lose both of your children. And um, they asked everyone, everyone to listen to God on their behalf. And as we listened as a family, we saw two babies being born perfectly healthy and whole. And that we shared that with them. And we weren't the only ones that had those image. Other people in their community listened on their behalf and heard the same thing. And based on their listening, they made the decision to keep both of the the children to not abort one of the babies. And so many people, you know, were like, you know, you're standing on your principles and you're and, and, and it was like, no, <laughs> no, we're not standing on principles. We're actually standing on a relationship with Jesus who told me these both of these lives are going to make it. And, you know, they knew the 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 difficult situation they were in because you know, according to the doctors, they were literally going to kill one of their babies by making this choice uh, to not abort the other one. And you can imagine how difficult that was for, you know, a decision, but they could make it without anxiety and fear because of the, the images that God gave his people and their community to hold them in the assurance that he was going to, he was going to heal both of them. He was going to bring both of them into the world. And they're over a year old now, and they are both happy, healthy, and whole with no problems whatsoever. It was an incredible miracle. And none of us prayed for healing 
without seeing first that God was going to do that. And I think that is is most important to me because I want to contrast that with with two other situations that happened where the opposite was true. I was asked to listen uh, on behalf of, of these pregnancies, and I sensed God say, it will not pass. It will not happen. Um, and I didn't know what that meant. And this was the very beginning of the pregnancy. I didn't know what that meant. Um, and I shared it with a few others. And, and, and this was a, a child very close to me, one of my family members. And I just knew this, this isn't going to come to pass. This baby will not be born or will not make it. And sure enough, the mom went into labor um, way before viability or two weeks before viability. And um, the baby was, was not going to make it. But we were able to navigate that in perfect peace because I, I had known this is what was going to happen, uh, whereas other members of the family were uh, incredibly anxious, distraught, um, and just angry at the hospital for not trying to save the life of this baby, but it was, it was, it was impossible. And, and so we were able to live that in a, a posture of acceptance and, and, and enjoying what we had and the moments that we had with the baby before, um, the baby passed away soon after birth. And so, so that was an, an in a situation, right, where I wasn't going to pray for healing because I, I knew that, I knew how it was going to end and it allowed me to enter into an acceptance and a grieving and walking with the rest of the family in an incredible non-anxious way during that entire situation. Um, another situation where a family member was pregnant um, and the doctor said that the baby's heart had stopped and um, the mother reached out and begged for prayer from everyone that God would heal her baby. And I wrote her back and I, you know, I listened to God first. Um, our whole family did. And we sensed God, we sensed uh, images of the baby being buried. We, that was what we sensed. And I didn't want to sense that. I wanted God to heal the baby like other babies. And I just sensed the Lord say, um, you know, this is what's going to happen. And so I wrote the mother back and I said, you know, I would listen. I'll listen to Jesus on your behalf. I'll listen to God and I'll ask God how it ends for you and how it ends for the baby. Um, and I'd be willing to do that if you're interested. And I will pray to that end. And unfortunately, the mother wrote me back and said, I do not want you to listen to God. I want you to pray that my baby doesn't die. And I can, can grieve with that mother and I can hurt with her and I can understand that feeling. Um, but it was so sad to me that, that instead of listening to Jesus and co-laboring with him into whatever was going to happen, she, she really wanted to impose her will on the whole situation. And, and I couldn't pray that way. I could not, <laughs> um, I couldn't pray that way when I knew how it was going to end. And, and sure enough, the baby did pass away. And then just a year later, uh, this woman had twins <laughs> and it was amazing and beautiful. And, you know, so it, it ended good in that way. Right. But not the way she thought it was supposed to end and not the way she wanted it to end. And so 
sometimes these situations seem impossible and they're difficult. And a lot of times we have our way that we want it to end. And then we ask people to pray on our behalf because we don't want to suffer or we don't want to face something, a tragic death. And I just want to speak into that, that it's so different when a community of God says, let's listen together. Let's ask God how this ends together. And then let's co-labor with him to bring what we see into reality and or to usher his peace into it in the middle of something very difficult that's going to happen. Hard words I know today, and this might, I'm sure it stirs up a lot in a lot of people. And I'm sure there are things that I haven't explained well, uh, and maybe even things that I've misrepresented. So I hope that this is an ongoing dialogue. Um, you know, if I have Instagram, if you find me on Instagram and you want to ask questions about this podcast, please don't hesitate. I'll post it there and um, Tony M. Daniels. But if you want to dialogue about these types of things, feel free to reach out. And if you want to join a community that teaches you to listen to God together and practice listening God together, uh, join Luke 10 today. Hope this helps you live more joy-filled and Jesus-led. Thank you for listening to this episode of Joy-Filled and Jesus-Led. Are you done white-knuckling your way through life and faith? And are you longing for a more relational way of living with God instead of just applying principles about God? God is as close as your breath and wants to be with you in all of your heavy situations. If you'd like help in living into this level of intimacy with God together and with others, sign up for an intro call with Luke 10 today and join your community of practice. Until next time.